At least some version of AT&T has been a staple in stock portfolios for nearly a century. Few brands have stood the test of time like the telephone company. But AT&T has spent the last few years trying to become far more than just a phone company. It's spent over $100 billion trying to become an entertainment giant. Now those bold, big ambitions are beginning to face resistance on Wall Street. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. Today I'm joined by Nicholas Jasinski, who covers AT&T and the rest of the telecom world for Barron's. Hey, Nick. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the basics. How long has AT&T actually been around? So AT&T as a phone company is actually now in its third century, founded by Alexander Graham Bell in 1885. Of course, it grew into a monopoly, broken up in the 1980s into regional baby bells, which have merged and combined and acquired each other over the years. And parts of that are now AT&T, parts of that are Verizon. This whole landscape looks very different, but it really traces its roots back to the late 1800s. So basically, this is a company that spent the first 150 years of its life doing one thing. Millions of times every day in America, a voice on a wire briefly and simply identifies itself in two words, long distance. Yes, it was connecting people over telephone lines. Hello, everyone. I'm from your telephone company. And the message that we have for you is that we are changing your telephone service over to dial. And we all remember the ads. When the people you love come through loud and clear. Reach out and touch someone. That's AT&T. AT&T sold itself on putting voices together. What have they become just in the last few years? So they very much are positioning themselves as the media and telecom company of the future that can do everything from creating the content to delivering it to you to showing you the advertising that goes along with it. And they believe that putting that all together saves money and gives them a competitive advantage against the various companies that just do one of these things. Could you just tell us a little bit more about the deals AT&T has made in the last few years? Sure. So the big ones have been DirecTV and Time Warner. It is a huge deal in the telecom world. AT&T is buying DirecTV. At $95 a share, the deal values DirecTV at $48.5 billion. DirecTV was one of the leading satellite businesses in the U.S., other one being Dish Network, um, and that's now part of what's called AT&T's entertainment group. And then Time Warner, which they've renamed Warner Media, that's a portfolio of media properties. That's the Turner Cable Networks, TBS and TNT, and some others. It's the Warner Brothers Hollywood Studio, and it's HBO, the premium channel and streaming service. And they are very proud of HBO, I think it's fair to say. Buy an AT&T unlimited plan and get HBO included. More for your thing. That's our thing. And of course, it's Game of Thrones. Just download the AT&T Thanks app for access to exclusive Game of Thrones experiences and the chance to win the iconic Iron Throne. Don't just watch the throne, own the throne. And even though Game of Thrones is over, I didn't watch, but I know it's over. My sense is that the brand will continue to live on. Absolutely. I think they're working on a prequel right now. And let me just understand their strategy a little bit more one more time. I'm thinking about canceling my AT&T service and going to T-Mobile because they charge me less. And AT&T says, but don't because we're going to also include HBO and our Game of Thrones prequel in your telephone service now. Perhaps. And I mean, they haven't said this yet. They haven't given a price, but HBO Max will probably cost something around $15. Maybe you'll save 10 bucks by going from AT&T to T-Mobile, but then you lose HBO Max. And this, I'm speculating. They haven't announced this as, as right, the, what they're going to do. Right, but that's kind of the general idea. That's the idea. 
AT&T has been trying these diversification efforts for a little while now, though, right? So why are you and I suddenly talking about this topic again? So last week, AT&T got a activist investor knocking on the door. It's Elliott Management, which is one of the world's biggest hedge funds. They have over $30 billion under management. It's run by Paul Singer. And they disclosed a $3.2 billion stake in AT&T, wrote a 32-page letter to the company's board where they laid out their grievances about that costly acquisition strategy that we just discussed and the company's management, the way that they handle costs, and they proposed different strategies for improving capital returns and, and how to lean up the uh, operations. So not exactly a love letter to the AT&T board. Not exactly. Um, but that's the, that's the activist playbook. Activist investors, they come in, they take large stakes in companies, and they don't just sit there and wait for the stock to do whatever the stock will do. They sit down with management, they sit down with the company's board, and they say, this is what you should be doing, this is why, and this is it's why it's going to make the stock go up. Okay, so now we have AT&T spending the last few years trying to change itself, spending hundreds of billions of dollars, investors kind of feeling somewhat mixed on on it. And suddenly now you have this huge investor on one side saying, no, that's all wrong. In fact, Verizon's got a great business. We want you to be just like Verizon. Yes. So, Elliot, they they want AT&T to take a strategic review of their entire portfolio with an eye towards parts of it which can be divested so that it can focus on its core strategy, which Elliot doesn't say explicitly, but seems to imply is the wireless phone business. Right. So if you're Elliot and you, you, you take the Elliot view, basically you see AT&T getting away from their strength just as it was getting stronger and moving into other parts of the media business just as those are getting weaker. Exactly. And then AT&T will counter by saying, well, we need Warner Media because once everybody's 5G and everything is lightning fast, the way to differentiate ourselves from 5G from our, one of our competitors is by attaching something like HBO to it. Right. And that'll reduce churn, which means how many people cancel in every month. And that's that's the big uh, population growth is slow. And pretty much everybody in the U.S. who wants a mobile phone plan already has one. So the only way you keep customers on your plan is through offering them goodies like this. Right. So you can't just continue to offer faster speeds and better devices and subsidies for phones. I mean, basically wireless service has become kind of a commodity at this point. At least that's AT&T's view. That's the view, yep. And Elliot doesn't seem to agree. I mean, is Elliot taking the short-term view here and AT&T taking the long-term view? Is that too simplified a version of this brewing fight? Well, there are definitely some of Elliot's recommendations which seem more short-term in nature. Those have to do more with the capital allocation strategy that, that Elliot is recommending. And when you say capital allocation, just give us a very quick idea of what that means. So Elliot wants AT&T to commit to growing its dividend by 2% a year and then spending half of its remaining cash flow on stock buybacks and half on paying down its debt. That's after capital expenditures as well. Um, but in the long-term strategic vision, Elliot believes that things like Warner Media and, and DirecTV are distractions from what's the best part of the okay. telecom business in the U.S. right now. Now, and I guess you know, we could debate, and I think we will debate, who's right here in terms of the vision. But Elliot certainly has one very powerful thing working for it, right, which is the performance of AT&T's stock, both in comparison to the broad market and also in comparison to its rival Verizon. Yeah, and that's, a, that's definitely a fair point that Elliot is making. AT&T stock has very much underperformed its rivals Verizon and T-Mobile and the broader market as well over the past five years. And 
Um, there's been a bit of a bump this year, but it's not anywhere near caught up over the last half decade. Got it. All right. I want to give you some credit because, what, six months ago now, you wrote a cover story actually on AT&T and Verizon and how the two businesses were going in opposite directions. And you actually came out of that story saying AT&T stock is sufficiently cheap right now and they there's sufficient upside that investors should really be more excited than they are. Right. The, the, the stock was certainly unloved in March when we wrote the story. And we thought that, that it was unfairly discounted given the 5G opportunity that they have and the fact that this is still a hugely, hugely profitable company. Outside of Apple, Samsung, and a couple of Chinese companies, this company is more profitable under one profit measure than any other company in the world. Okay. So would you see the Elliott letter as validation of, of the pro at and argument or kind of uh, a rebuttal of it? Well, they certainly make the point as well that, that the stock is cheap relative to Verizon, relative to the rest of the market. Um, it pays a almost 6% dividend yield. Which is huge in the world of, of dividends. Right. I mean, part of the reason it's, it's outperformed in the last few months is because interest rates have been falling so much, and that's made AT&T's dividend yield, which investors still see as safe, very attractive. They've also been, they took on a lot of debt when they bought Time Warner, and they've been paying that down. They've said that they're on track to meet their target pay down for the rest of this year. Um, and I think that's opened AT&T up to a whole lot of other investors. And those are all arguments you made. And but to your credit, the stock has done pretty well since your story. It has. It's up about 25%. But it did even better last week when Elliot came out with its letter. Where do we go from here? Does this Elliot involvement ultimately become a good thing for investors? So I think that some of the more fundamental changes that Elliot would be pushing for. Such as? Such as... I don't know, selling DirecTV, which they bought five years ago. I don't see that happening. AT&T is already doing a fair amount of peripheral asset sales, things like its stake in Hulu. They sold to Disney earlier this year, some real estate sales, and they've been using that to pay down their debt. I think they'll continue doing that, but I don't think that they're going to fundamentally change up their portfolio. In their statement after Elliot's letter, they talk about their unique portfolio of valuable businesses as the best path forward for the company. And they said, of course, but we're willing to listen to our investors. But that they are committed to a good dialogue with their investors and to creating long-term shareholder value. Absolutely. Okay. So in that idea, does Elliot have a seat at the table at this point? And do they really, do they change things going forward? Some of the other changes that, that Elliot suggested, for example, they, they drew another contrast to Verizon, which has a very public um, $10 billion cost reduction plan that they want to hit in the next few years. A little more discipline and maybe some targets from AT&T's end on this is how much cost we want to save in these areas over the next few years. I think that would definitely be positive. Maybe not for the employees that work for AT&T, but for the investors that own it. Absolutely not for the employees who will be losing their jobs through layoffs, but for the shareholders in the company, a little tightening of the belt and expanding some profit margins will certainly be good for the profitability and the stock. Of course, part of the activist playbook in, historically is just making yourself very loud and known and hoping that you get media, hoping you get podcasts talking about you, of course, and, and, and getting, making change happen that way. Right. It's about putting, giving management a new headache. Okay. If you're still an AT&T shareholder, whether one of the people that have owned it for decades or someone who's just come into it in the last year, are you feeling better or worse about your AT&T stock now that Elliott is back, is in the game? 
I think better. I think to the extent that Elliot put some pressure on AT&T's board to have a little cost discipline and, and more clarity on future shareholder returns, that's certainly a benefit. I wouldn't hold my breath on some of the more fundamental changes that Elliot is seeking. But the stock is still cheap, the dividend is attractive in a low-rate environment, and 5G on the horizon is a big opportunity for not just AT&T, but the entire telecom industry, and that's still the majority of their business. All right. Well, we'll definitely be watching. Thanks so much for joining us, Nick. Thank you. To read more of Nicholas's reporting on AT&T and the entire telecom world, check out this past week's Barron's and, as always, Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Lutzhoft. The Readback will return next week. In the meantime, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to our show. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.